Hey, everybody, welcome back to Church Online. I'm so glad that you made it. Thank you for being here. You're here. We made it another week. You're still alive. Praise God. <laughs> my name is Tim. I'm gathered here with a few of my friends and some of our staff members. And uh, we're recording this message just for, uh, for everyone that's at home that maybe can't make it to church today. Some of you are still in quarantine and lockdown. Some of you uh, don't have a home church. And we are so proud uh, to be a part of your church family today, to be, uh, to be responsible for taking you into the presence of God. I'm so yes. thankful for the people that just led you in worship. Um, it's just such a privilege to be a part of this. And I'm, I'm so grateful for each of you that have, that have been a part of us, that are watching this. Thank you so much. Uh, do us a favor. Type in the chat where you're, where you're watching from today. We'd love to know where you're at and what's going on in your life. We'd love to interact with you if that's okay. And uh, I also wanna say thank you for those of you that are supporting us financially. That means a lot uh, to me. There are people now that, I'm, uh, that I get a list of people that have given for the very first time. I never see amounts. I don't, I don't care about amounts, but I love to pray for people that are giving for the very first time and just kind of celebrate that win until God thank you. And uh, every single week we get a, a, a list of people that are sending in tithes and offerings and... and <laughs> financial contributions of people I've never met. I don't even know where your city is. Uh, and I, and that's, just, that's just mind-blowing to me. Thank you. Thank you a lot for supporting us and letting us know that what we're doing here makes a difference in, in your life. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just praying that it blesses and encourages you today. If you, uh, if you like what you hear, would you click the share button, share this message with your friends? And that's one of the ways that you can uh, benefit us if you wouldn't mind. Just share the message with your friends and get involved and share the love of Jesus and what he's saying uh, to you with, with your social media world. Let's get on into the scripture if we can. Uh, John chapter 13 is where we're being drawn today. And uh, I... I love this particular chapter. There's so many great things going on. We're gonna pull out some things that I think are gonna help you and that God's gonna meet with you and encourage you today as we, as we dig into the authority of his word. Uh, we're in a series called Let's Get Real, uh, talking about all the things that Jesus gives his disciples, people like me and you, the people that, uh, that wanna be close to Jesus, that wanna follow after his footsteps. Jesus is very clear with some things that he asked for us to do. And I found that the things Jesus taught, they're not hard to understand. More often than not, they're hard to actually do. When Jesus says, hey, love those who use you. When he says, turn the other cheek. Like, there's not a, not a lot to misunderstand in that. It, it's hard to do sometimes. And so I wanna take us to something that I, I feel like is, is something that it is kind of hard to understand when we don't, under, when we don't really under, uh, understand what, what Jesus is talking about here in John 13. And it makes it really hard to do uh, when we get into what he's actually saying. And so as we're doing that, um, I'm gonna just kind of catch you up. If you're not familiar with the story, um, this is what we know as the Last Supper, which I hate that word, the Last Supper, <laughs> uh, because every supper needs to have a supper following that one. Uh, but this is the supper where Jesus uh, washes his disciples' feet and he's laying out for them uh, the, the most important things that he wants them to remember because over the next few hours, life is about to get really strange. Jesus is about to be betrayed and mocked and beaten and, and, and just his body's gonna be torn to pieces on a cross. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be hectic. And everything changes after this moment. So this is kind of the, the calm before the storm. And Jesus is giving these, these last little bit of nuggets to his true disciples. And this is right at the moment where, uh, where Judas has just left and Jesus starts talking about him behind his back. <laughs> and uh, let's just confess our sins today. Put it in the chat if you've, ever, if you've ever talked about somebody as soon as they left the dinner table. All right, let's talk about this one. No, that's not really what happens, but um, this is where Jesus deals with the true disciples, the ones that are left. And he's very, very clear and very uh, passionate um, about what he asks of them. So John 13, starting in verse 31, I wanna read through the next four verses and, and kind of pay attention and focus in on, on this particular um, part of what Jesus is saying to the true disciples. It says, when he, speaking of Judas, when he was gone, Jesus said, now, 
the son of man, speaking of himself, the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. Anytime Jesus uses the same word over and over and over and over, it's important that you pay attention because Jesus is talking about the word glorify. God is glorified in me. And this is an amazing thing that's gonna happen all at once. Then he says this, my children, speaking of his disciples, you guys are followers of me. And he's also kind of speaking to their immaturity at this point, like you're, you're about to have to really grow up. And they don't understand the importance of that, that simple word, my children. But things are, you're gonna have to get mature really fast. No one, no one thinks about that. You don't think about that when you're a kid, but there's moments in your life where you, you have to grow up. You have, you have to just handle it. You have to be an adult and do hard things. And this is what he's speaking to them. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. He says, you will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. Can you imagine hearing that? Like, wait a minute, <laughs> you're our strength. You're the rock that holds this thing together. We don't even like each other that much. And uh, we, we kind of need you. <laughs> and uh, Jesus says, hey, I'm, I'm about to go away and you can't come with me. Um, that causes a lot of issues. And by the way, when he says this, the disciples kind of get stuck on there. Scripture tells us that they start talking among, our, among themselves about where you think he could go that we couldn't come. And they miss the most important thing that he says in this next scripture. John captures the thought this way. He says, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. And this is important to see because he doesn't say, this is what I'm asking of you. He says, command. And he says this, love one another. Look across the table and you guys are gonna have to love one another. And when we know uh, in hindsight what they're about to have to walk through, that's why this is so important. You guys are gonna have to stick together and love one another past your differences because I'm not gonna be with you much longer. But they don't hear that, they get stuck and they miss the point. Love one another, he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Remember, he has just washed their feet. He's just shared a meal with them. He's just talked about how to serve one another and to, and to walk in humility towards each other. And he says, as I've loved you, you must love one another. And this, this is the, the final caveat here. By this, everyone, your Bible may say by this, the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Notice he says, if. He gave a command. He says, if you do this, saying, you know, I'm ordering you to. You know, this, I'm telling you, it's a command. But it's also a choice. Right. And this is a big deal for us as we're looking in, into God's word and, and looking at what Jesus is asking of us because it goes, it goes past just the asking here. It goes to a command. He says, love one another. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you'd open up your heart and help us to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So uh, have you ever heard, heard somebody talking and, you, and they say one thing and you kind of miss the whole point of what they're saying because you get stuck on one word? Because that happens to a lot of us from Texas. We have statements and things that, things that we say, phrases that we use, and we might be trying to convey an important point, but we'll say something like the word y'all and people are like, oh, you're from Texas. Like, you didn't, you didn't hear what I said. You know, you're, you're only hearing the, the manner in which I said it or the phraseology that I just used. Um, I was thinking of the things that I've, I've had people stop me before when I was preaching or, or talking or just communicating and uh, say, wait, what, what was that? And so I'll, they'll say like, uh, you ready? You locked and loaded? And I'd say, I'm ready and raring to go. And that's a common phrase in Texas. We say ready and raring. I've, 
I didn't realize that, that that's pretty much Texas homemade, born and bred. But when we say I'm ready and raring, that means I'm locked and loaded, I'm ready to go. But you say ready and raring, and people are like, raring? <laughs> and I didn't realize that that's such a big deal, but they will miss the point of what you say when you throw in a phrase like ready and raring. Um, we say uh, about a person that, that doesn't have anyone really listening to him that talks a lot, we say that's, he's all hat and no cattle. All hat, no cattle. I mean, he's like, you're kind of a poser pretending to be cowboy kind of thing. Well, he wears a big hat, but he ain't got no ranch. Um, but if you say that to people that aren't from Texas, like, nah, that's, that's not going to fly. They're going to miss the whole point of what you say. And it's be like, what in the world are you talking about? All hat and no cattle. We'll say, bless your heart, don't we? <laughs> Bless your heart. My friends know. We'll say, oh, bless your heart. That does not literally mean bless your heart. And that's not a Christian phrase. That's a Texas phrase for we think you're an idiot. <laughs> oh, really? That's so bad. Bless your heart. <laughs> and this is what happens in this moment when Jesus is talking about where I'm going, you can't come. Wait, what did he just say? He says, a new command I give you. You're gonna have to love one another. No, and this is what Peter immediately triggers. He said, wait a minute, where are you talking about? Where are you going? We can't come. Let's back up. Let's rewind the tape. You said, where I'm going, you can't come. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point. I'm telling you, a new command I give you. Don't miss the point. The point is the command, not where I'm going. Not the fact that you can't come there. And and Peter gets stuck on this because in just a few hours, he's gonna deny Christ. As a matter of fact, this is the confrontation that Jesus has with Peter. It's like, I know you think you're coming with me, but you're not. And I'm giving you a command, love one another. And we remember from the story, if you're familiar with the story, it takes several chapters before Jesus has another breakfast with Peter and reminds him, remember that command to love me, to love each other? Do, do you love? Do you love me? Can we, can we love one another? Because you've, you've made some, um, some bad choices here. You got stuck on where I'm going, you can't come. And you forgot about the command that I gave you to love. So I, I think there's some obvious questions that come here. Um, when, I'm, when I'm reading the scripture, if it's love, then why are you commanding me to do it? That's what jumps out at me. How can you command somebody to love? You're gonna love me. I command you to love me. And then another thing is, you know, uh, love one another. That's, that's not a new command. As a matter of fact, these guys would have known this is in the Torah. This is the first and greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's not new. That's literally the law of Moses. It's not new at all. But Jesus is speaking of something that supersedes the law. He's speaking into something that's gonna be incredibly important to them. And he lists it as a command that they'd love one another. Not just the Lord, not just themselves, not, but together as a group, love one another. And this is a big part of the New Testament is the one another, how we relate to one another. This is where I wanna um, spend our time focusing on today is the love that we have for one another and why that's commanded by Jesus in this way. Um, and how we can easily miss the point of love being command if we get stuck on a few things that, uh, that we don't like the way that it's phrased. It's important. It's important the way that Jesus says it, how he says it, and why he says it. And so there's, there's several things that I think are important as we're getting into this because that love part, it's not hard to understand. Love, it's not hard to understand, but it's hard to do for these guys because life was about to get really hectic. The pressure was about to be turned on. And Jesus was saying, I'm commanding you to love each other in spite of the pressure that you're about to walk through, in spite of the fact that I'm about to be off the scene, love one another. Mm -hmm. You see, these guys are playing checkers. Jesus is playing chess. 
He's got a strategy going on that's gonna change the world. These guys are jockeying for position of who gets to hang out with Jesus and where is he going? I can't come, I'm, I'm your favorite. They don't get it. They're playing a different game. Does this make sense to you? I hope it makes sense to you. But, and, and then Jesus does the, the craziest thing in the world. If you're talking about playing chess versus checkers, he removes himself from the game. Crazy. And it's the greatest move of all time because it shakes up everything, changes the history of the world. He said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. You guys are gonna change the world with your love for one another. Wow. Crazy. You know, there's, there's not a lot of room for misinterpretation in this passage. Jesus uses the same word. If you're looking in the Greek language and the original language, it is very, very clear. Sometimes when you look at a passage, you can pick out words that are very rare or things that are, that are um, really specific that Jesus talks about and be like, wow, that's powerful. I never saw it in this way. But this one, there is no room for misinterpretation. Love one another, I command it. Not hard to understand. It's gonna be hard to do. Jesus leaves no room for ambiguity there. No room to say, I'm gonna twist this in a different way. Mm-mm. It's very straightforward, very easy for them to understand uh, because life was about to get hectic. The pressure was about to be turned on. When I was in high school, I went out for the, the football team and uh, I had played you know, football with my friends. We were raised in a Christian school. We'd you know, played in the, in the sand lot and I thought I knew the game, but uh, man, coming out for the football team in a 5A high school was quite different. And uh, I had many expectations of what that football game was gonna be like, especially my first one. And it was nothing like what I thought. It's nothing like what I saw on TV. It's nothing like what we had done in the Sandlot uh, because this is completely different. And it might not be anything like you would expect either because the very first game happened, I remember that they call the, the captains to the center of the field to do the coin flip. And the coin flip happened. Our team started arguing with each other. And then we ended up getting into a fight, not with the other team, <laughs> with each other. We fought ourselves. The game was forfeited and we lost because the referees were looking at each other. The other team was making fun of us. And I'm just sitting here like, I don't know who to fight. Like I, I want to be on the team, but who are we swinging? Hey, I don't know. I want to fight somebody, but like we're fighting people. I remember one of our defensive linemen picks up two helmets and he just starts swinging helmets at his own teammates. We're fighting each other. The pressure just got too much for us to handle. The, you know, we got all amped up and then an, an argument happened and we fought each other. And I didn't realize how important that moment would be for the rest of my life until I see what happens in Christianity when, when pressure gets turned on. When the pressure happens like 2020, when churches get unhealthy, when Christians get unhealthy, when pressure gets turned on in our lives, one of the first things that we do is we fight each other. And I think it's an important thing that Jesus speaks here because he knows the future. And so he gives them a command to try to keep them from doing what is ultimately throwing away their greatest strength is their unity with each other. That's a big deal. So let, let's get real about what Jesus is asking of us. Why is it such a, a, great, a great command? Why would he have to command us to love each other? Why does he not really give us the choice? He says a command here. And I wanna give you um, three things that I think are important for us to understand what, with why Jesus is saying it this way, why he says, I'm commanding you to love each other. And this is what I know. Number one is, is that love gets tested when the will gets crossed. Love gets tested when the will gets crossed. We see this happen in the life of Peter. When Jesus crossed his will and said, you can't come with me, 
The love was tested, Peter failed, and Jesus had to bring him on back. And I love that Jesus's love is never ending. But you know, if you know your Bible in John chapter 12, Judas got his will crossed too. As a matter of fact, it says this woman was washing Jesus's hair with his expensive perfume. And Judas says, hey, we could have sold that and given it to the poor. Kind of a virtue signaling thing of, we're gonna have to take care of the poor. This is money that you're wasting. And Jesus crossed his will. He said, no, this is, she's chosen what's better. She's, she's worshiping me. You're always gonna have the poor with you. And this virtue signaling embarrasses Judas. And in this moment, Satan enters his heart and things begin to go really, really bad because the love gets tested when the will gets crossed. I found that people love God's word until it crosses their will. We love the things that we find in God's word until it crosses what you think is right and what you want and what you believe you can do or what you think is, is, is perfect and appropriate for your life. When that crosses your will, your love gets tested. But the, the question that Jesus is asking is, you know, can you love me when you don't agree with me? And that's, that's a hard question because we automatically want to say, of course, Jesus, of course, you're, you're perfect and your ways are right. But the truth is when pressure gets turned on, love gets tested. When the will gets crossed, love gets tested. You know, uh, marriage is the perfect illustration because if you think that you're gonna find the perfect partner and you guys are gonna agree about everything, you're not gonna be married very long. Um, but your love gets tested when one of you doesn't get your way. When one of you uh, gets misinterpreted or one of you gets their will crossed. But Jesus modeled perfect love with a submitted heart. And I love how uh, uh, Luke records this in Luke chapter 22. Jesus is praying before the father. He's just about to go to the cross. And he says, Lord, father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I'm so thankful that, that, the, that the writers of the gospels were able to record that moment because that's so important because Jesus allowed, allowed that conversation to be recorded and written down for people like me and you when God crosses your will. When church crosses your will, when the Bible crosses your will. And in those moments, we have to make a decision. Are we gonna go back to the command that I'm still supposed to love even if I don't agree? Does this word of God supersede my will and my emotions? Because if, if not, then it's not really the Bible that you believe. You're believing some kind of version of yourself. And, and that's important for us. But what, what happens when God says no? What happens when things don't change? What happens when God doesn't do what you think he should do? What happens when the Bible doesn't agree with your theology? Love gets tested when your will gets crossed. And these people are gonna have their will crossed a lot. And it has to go back to the most important and basic of foundations, love. Lord, I love you more than I want to be right. I love you more than I want to be heard, be seen, be valued. I, I love you. That's a big deal. Jesus understands the importance. And so he commands us to love each other because our love gets tested when the will gets crossed. Here's the second thing I know. Love gets real in the bad times, not the good ones. It's easy to love when things are going well. It's easy to love on your, on your wedding day. Uh, but you know, the vows that you write on your wedding day and the vows that you say on your wedding day, those vows are not for that day. <laughs> They're for the day after and the day after that. And when we say in sickness and in health, there's not a lot of people that get married in sickness. Most of the time you're pretty healthy. You're young, you got life in front of you. You look good, you, you got your tan. You've got your hair done. You got your weave in. You're looking good. You got your you got your good teeth in. <laughs> but it's it's later on in life when sickness sets in, when uh, when things don't go your way, when you lose somebody, when you lose a job, when kids go nuts, 
when your finances fall apart, that's when love gets real. And this is what Jesus is saying. You have to go back to the command because in those moments, you can't just rely on your choices because your feelings will lie to you. And this is what happens in a lot of our marriages. It's what happens in our churches, that our commitment is only as good as the times. When times get bad, that's when the love gets real. You know, these, these men that Jesus is speaking to as his disciples, they're gonna be hurt. They're gonna be hunted. It's gonna take real effort to stay committed to one another because we wanna withdraw and we wanna, uh, uh, we wanna push ourselves into isolation and just worry about me. And Jesus said, don't do that. Your, your strength comes from your unity with one another. Um, and I love that Jesus, Jesus loved when it hurt, not just when it was convenient. Jesus loved when it wasn't easy. Remember this night, Jesus washed Judas's feet too. Judas still ate. He fed him, knowing that he was gonna betray him, knowing that his will got crossed, knowing that Judas didn't love him anymore. He still fed him. He still washed his feet. And what a model for us. Jesus says, as I've loved you, I want you to love one another. Stay in unity. You know, as, as Christians, I believe that we see our deepest failure when comparing the way that Jesus loved to how we love. This is the agape love, the sacrificial love, loving when it hurts. Um, I think we love when it's convenient and we might love a little bit when it's inconvenient, but not for long. Jesus doesn't show us that. He says, I command you to love when the times aren't good and when your will gets crossed. Here's the third thing I see out of this story is that love is the brand God uses to identify his people. It's the brand. And for those of us that grew up, um, let's just say uh, financially challenged, (laughs) brand names were, uh, that was a luxury that we didn't get. And um, I, man, I remember so, <laughs> so many times my mom would have to make our clothes and, you know, sometimes that was, that was hit or miss. You know, I love you, mom. You're probably watching today. Um, I appreciate that. But <laughs> some of those things you're like, mom, I am not a 50 year old man. I'm six. You know, don't, <laughs> don't do this to me. I'm going to get killed. I, those streets are mean for a kid that looks like a grandpa. <laughs> Oh, you look so nice, like a little businessman. I am five. Like, (laughs) don't do that to me. And I wanted so desperately to have name brand clothes because when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, name brands were everything. Today, it's it's more cool to not have any brands on your clothes. But back then, man, you had to have the brand nice, big, and proud to show people that I I have something that costs something. Um, I remember the first time I got uh, a pair of shorts that were Jabot. And if you know... If you know, you know, uh, but Jabot was everything. And I had a pair of, of shorts. I ended up getting in a, in a car accident and the paramedics had to cut me out with the jaws of life. It was a horrible, horrible wreck for, for another time, but they pulled me out. And uh, I remember them, you know, cutting off my jacket, and my shirt. And um, that wasn't a big deal, but they went to go cut off my shorts because I had some internal injuries. And he grabs those medic scissors and grabs my shirt. And I'm like, oh God, please don't. I was coming out of a coma. Like grabbing my shirt, I said, please don't cut these things. I would rather die than even cut my Javos Do you have any idea how hard I had to work to get name brand clothing? I grew up poor. Like this is a big deal. I have to protect this brand. That's a big deal. And you know, when Jesus uses this word glorify, this, this word glorify means to put on display. This is the brand. And this is how God uses to identify his true Believers is their love for one another. We have to protect the brand. To put this on display is a, is a big deal. You know, how, 
how we think of branding is how we pledge our allegiance to Christ. Even as Christians, we'll do that with, with t-shirts or you wear a cross around your neck. Doug is wearing a, a cross around his neck today. Um, and we'll, we'll tattoo scriptures on ourselves or we'll put a fish sticker on our car or maybe you're the, the church that you're affiliated with, you'll, you'll put that sticker on your car. And those are all well and good, but that's not the mark of a true believer. That's swag, right? It is. You know, I, I heard a pastor that said every cross around a neck is not a redeemed neck. Just because you put a cross on it doesn't make it saved. Doug <laughs> with his cross. <laughs> but uh, every, every tattooed arm is not a redeemed arm just because you put a scripture on it. Um, the mark is something much deeper than swag. The brand is much deeper than something that you put on, but it's the following, the adherence to a command. That's the brand, your love for one another. Um, here's the fourth thing I wanna give you, uh, that love is the only thing that will change the world. He says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. By this, the world will know that you'll change. He's saying that this is a global message. This branding of my people, their unity, their ability to love when it's not convenient, when it hurts, yeah when your will gets crossed, but the ability to stick together as believers, that's gonna change the world. And I believe that's because the world has never really seen biblical love. And that's failure on my part, on yours, on the church. It's a big deal. Love is not something that's difficult for us to understand, but it has been hard for us to do. Sunday is the most segregated day in America. We have more factions and divisions in Christianity than any other organization on the planet. Yeah. It's all about what flavor that you like. Um, but agape, he uses the word agape. It's that sacrificial, selfless love. He uses that word four times and, and he uses it on purpose. Love, selfless, sacrificial, washing feet, feeding those that don't love you in return, mm -hmm. taking care of those that are gonna betray you and leave you. That's the kind of love that he says gonna change the world. Our world doesn't know that kind of love. He says, Jesus says, you're gonna look for me. And I believe that when he says, I'm commanding you to love one another, he's saying, that's where you'll actually find me. Where I'm going physically, you can't come. But if you love one another, that's where you find me. It's in the unity of believers. And I love that Jesus started the very first group without exterior identifying markers. He doesn't put this, this, this global thing together with skin color. He doesn't put it together with the toys that we have in common. He doesn't put it together with um, rank or money. He says, love. This group is about love, love for one another. And I believe that when the world sees black and white, rich and poor, young and old, worshiping and loving each other, that's the potential to change the world. So how do we get practical with that? How do I love like this commandment? How do I love like he's telling us to love? I wanna give you four quick things and we'll finish out with this. And if you like this, make sure you share it with your friends. Here's the first, I have to see it as a command and not an option. I have to see it as a command because if I'm commanded to and Jesus calls the shots in my life, then I'll do it because he's the one that gets to decide what's right for me. When he says to his disciples, love one another, I command you, I take it serious. Mm -hmm. And I love, selfless and sacrificially. I don't always live up to those standards, but I'm trying. Here's the second thing. If I'm going to love like Jesus loved, I have to intentionally connect. 
intentionally connect. And this means that you're going to have to find a place to serve. You're going to have to find a place um, to get involved. You're going to have to get into a group and connect, actually talk. And when someone else talks, you're going to have to listen. But we have to be there. That's part of loving one another. It doesn't mean I'm just going to love Jesus. He doesn't leave it where there. He says, you got to love each other. It's a command. Mm. Here's the third. I have to extend grace constantly. <laughs> constantly. Here's the good news though. If you're in a group of people that are extending grace to you as well, you've got something special, but you're going to have to give it out as well. You're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You might be the Peter of the group. <laughs> now, maybe you're the Matthew. Maybe you're, you're not the Jesus. <laughs> we don't love perfectly. We're not perfect. Everybody's going to extend grace to each other because no one is Jesus. But together, when we love each other, that's when Jesus shows up because we're, we're being obedient to his commands. I have to extend grace constantly. We're all, we're all learning. So I have to give people the benefit of the doubt and not read too much into what they say and do. Just, I'm going to choose to believe the best and go on with my life and keep loving you regardless. And here's the last thing I want to leave you this. If I'm going to love like Jesus loves, then I have to be there when it hurts. I have to show up where people are hurting and I have to be available when I'm hurting to let people minister to me. That's hard for us to do. That doesn't, conf that doesn't compute with our American version of Christianity. We think that we can love Jesus at a distance and we'll say things like, well, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I don't know about you, but th this is my wife here. And uh, can you guys get a shot of her? I love this lady. If you say, you know, I love Pastor Tim, but I, I can't stand his wife. You don't know me very well <laughs> because we're one and I love this lady and she loves me. And if you tell me that you don't like her, that's a, that's a slap to my face. Like yeah. you can't have one without the other. We come as a package deal. I love her. I'm only as good as she lets me be. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't say you love Jesus and you hate his bride. Yeah. It doesn't work. We have to give his bride some grace because it's full of imperfect people, Amen. including you. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. In order to do that, we gotta be willing to love when our will gets crossed. We gotta be able to love in more than just the good times, but the bad times too. We gotta be able to recognize that there's a brand that we're protecting when we choose to do that. And it's how God chooses to identify the true believers. Can we love one another? The Bible says love covers over a multitude of mistakes. Have you been hurt? Probably. Have you been hurt by the church? Yeah. Has the Bible crossed your will? Sure. There's plenty of opportunities that we can say, I, I, I pull back, I stop playing, I'm, I'm done. I'm just gonna read my Bible and have my own time with Jesus, but that's not biblical. It's just not. The body of Christ, the healthy church, the unified church, loving one another is the only hope that our world has. And I wanna encourage you today to be a part of it find a way to get involved. I wanna finish up right there and just thank you, number one, for joining us. If you enjoyed today, man, write something in the chat, connect with us. We'd love to hear from you, hear your story, hear how you're doing. How can we pray for you? We'd love to pray for you. Um, if you've got a prayer request, something that you're battling with, that's what church family is for. We're gonna be there when it hurts. Um, I promise you this, if you type it there, we'll pray for you. Yeah. And I'm gonna ask you to do something for me. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for us? Let's connect. We're the body of Christ. We don't have to be in the same room to connect. As a matter of fact, these men over the next few months may be scattered to the ends of the earth. But their love for one another kept the body of Christ unified even along the distance. 
So there's your part. You want to continue to grow the body of Christ? Share this message. Get involved. Put some, put some stake down in this game. Uh, get involved in this. We'd love to have you help us out and become part of the body of Christ. Um, it's a good thing. I want to finish out by praying. I want to give anybody that's watching this message today an opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. It's the most amazing thing. It's changed my life. And if you've never had a moment where Jesus Christ was invited into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life, this is your moment. And right where you are, right where you're watching, I want to give you an opportunity to do that just like somebody gave me one time. I want you to pray with me. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came, you died, but rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Would you come into my heart? Be my savior, be my Lord, my boss. I give my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, would you do me a favor? Would you text me? The number is 94090. Text the words, I prayed, all one word, I-P-R-A-Y-E-D. Text that to me if you wouldn't mind. 94090. I'd love to just have a record of what just happened. I'd love to send you some things that will help you take the next step. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to take anything from you. I want to help you like somebody helped me. It's a big deal. And I don't want you stuck out there on your own. You got a church family. And even if you can't be with us in person, I appreciate you joining us today. I pray that God has encouraged you and blessed your life in some way that you could love better. God bless you as you go. Have an amazing week.